Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In with your hosts, Megan Myers and Steffi Predmore. This week, we're joined by our friend, Ade Olayinka, to talk about the Olympics. Stay tuned. Do you love listening to I'd Rather Stay In and want to support the podcast? Well, now you can. Visit our website or the link in our Instagram profile and click buy me a coffee or visit buymeacoffee.com slash IRSI podcast. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can help us cover the costs of creating this podcast. There are no monthly memberships, and you can support us at whatever level you like, whenever you like. Whether you buy us one coffee, many coffees, or simply continue listening as always, we're so grateful for your support. Hello! Hi, Steffi. How's it going, Megan? We're in the final countdown before school starting. Final countdown. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited, but also like nervous because of COVID. But um, yeah, I mean, it's been like 18 months since your kids have basically set foot in a school building and they're going to not only new schools, but like new schools in a new town, new Mm -hmm. state. So there's a lot of new things happening. I mean, it's not uh, technically they're not new schools. They went to school there last year, but they I didn't guess. actually go to school there. So right, and they've like never met their classmates in person. So right, it will be interesting. It'll be interesting, but this but also- we have yeah we have I've got we have all the school supplies. We had so much stuff left over, you know, from like Two like before <laughs> before we moved slash before we realized that everything was going to be locked down for the end of time. Right. We did that thing where you can order school supplies and then they just like send the box to your school, which is amazing. uh And then you have this whole box of school supplies. So we had that, which we didn't use any of last year. (laughs) Right. And then we just had like random things laying around. So I was going through the school supplies list and I was like, oh, we have this, we have this, we have this, we have this. So I like did not need to buy that much stuff, which was awesome. Yeah. I mean, I love buying school supplies, but... Not necessarily when you're having to, like, fight against everyone else for the things. Oh, man. When we went, so we went Saturday morning, and when we got to the school supply section. Oh, my God. I bet it was It was, like, us and one other family. Oh. And then by the time we left the school supply section, and, like, mind you, we did not need that much stuff. It was, like just people like everywhere like Like, grab the notebooks grab the folder it's like like, when you get get to the restaurant just before everyone else and so you get a seat right away and then you look over at the host stand and there's just this huge line of people five minutes Mm -hmm. later and you're like well we got here right at this exact right time yeah it was crazy yeah um yeah so that's like taken care of it's all it's all done we just gotta wait for i guess like you know, class assignments and things like that. But yeah, and figuring out how to get my kid to wake up early because school starts at eight a.m. and he doesn't wake up till ten thirty. He's a teenager. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was always a little. That was always a little rough for me as a teenager. I mean, sometimes it's still rough for me, and I'm 32, so <laughs> can't say it's gonna get better anytime soon. But <laughs> go with God. <laughs> it will for you because uh, now in my ripe old age of 41. Uh, sleeping until 8.30 is, like, late. It's so late to me. And if I wake up, usually when I wake up at, like, 7, whatever, like, it's, there's no going back to sleep. It doesn't matter that, like, makes if it's me Saturday. Sad. That, like, makes me sad for you. 
It is very sad. <laughs> I love sleeping in. Sleeping in is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it's not possible. Oh, that is so sad. Your body just like kind of gets all messed up because like your kids will just, she'll just wake up early. Yeah. And she like, you can't let her not get up because she's a little kid and she oh, can't yeah. fend for herself. So like, right. You just got to get up and feed her breakfast and that's just the way your life is now. It is. It is really my life is now. So I, <sighs> tomorrow she starts daycare for the first time. It's her first day of daycare ever. I'm having a lot of feels about it, but it's it will fine. be good. It'll be good. It'll it's be very good. exciting, though. It is exciting. It's exciting. I think she'll have a lot of fun. I think she'll have fun with the other kids. You know, all the things. It's good. It'll be good for her. It'll be good for us. But it'll be my house will be so quiet two days a week. Oh my Ooh. gosh, it's gonna be amazing. But I am also probably gonna cry when I drop her off tomorrow morning. so that's fine but I did get to use my label maker to pack her little daycare bag so well there you go that was a good time (laughs) (laughs) well we have also been enjoying the Olympics the past week ish week or two weeks I don't even know I've lost track of time and I've lost track of how long the Olympics have been going on admittedly but I have done I Okay, I haven't gotten to watch as much as I normally do because of the child. Because weirdly, (laughs) at 18 months old, she's not especially interested in watching, like, synchronized diving so much as she's interested in watching, like, Sesame Street. But I have definitely caught a lot of the primetime stuff, and we've got some things to say. We have a lot of things to say, and luckily we have a friend who is basically an Olympic expert, I would say, wouldn't you say? I would say. As many things as we have to say, she has even more when it comes to the Olympics. <laughs> so our friend Ade is back yet again, and she is going to chat with us about all things Olympics. Uh, Ade, hello. Hi. It's so good to be back. How are you? We're good. I have lost track of how many times you've been on the podcast. So... I think this is fourth. Not my fourth time. My fourth appearance. I'd be right. I couldn't remember. I if think it was so. Four yeah. Or five. But Two skincare. Point... One Christmas movies. And uh, here, here I am to talk here about a third passion. You, are, yeah, you're a woman of many talents and many interests, and it's one of the things that we love about you. Um, so, tell the people about. A little bit about your Olympic interest and obsession and why we like low-key call you an Olympic expert. Sure. Um, So, I don't know. My origin story is like way less clear than with other things. Um, I remember watching like the 94 Olympics. Uh, It was a Winter Olympics and there was a lot of figure skating and and, like it was like, I don't know, that's probably the one where Tara Lipinski and... um, Nancy Kerrigan had their big face off right it's pre-Michelle Kwan days right so it's like early and there was like ugly hair nothing quite as acrobatic as now but but we watched it as a family and that was like 
I mean, kind of really impressed in my memory. And then there was the 96 Atlanta Olympics, where I'm sure I don't remember very much about the marketing around it, but I'm sure it was like everywhere, right? Like McDonald's cups and commercials and all kinds of things. And I just uh, remember like watching track in Nigeria, which is where my family is from, um, won the, the soccer tournament that year. So it was like, I, I have all these like memories and it's not until, I don't know, even, even, even 98, I remember that Michelle Kwan, right? Um, 2000 was the dawn of Michael Phelps and they were in Australia. And like, I, I just, I, all of these memories wrapped up around the Olympics. So for me, like I, you know, I've loved them for a long time and my kind of more structured interest, I guess I would say in the Olympics um, began in college. Um, you know, I was still as Olympics obsessed as ever, but I, I wanted to, I started researching them, um, kind of my senior year, my junior year, there were, I had to write some papers about all kinds of different things. Um, one, one, some for econ, some for, um, for international studies, my other major. And I always, always, always chose to write about the Olympics. So, um, that was kind of my origin story. And these days, um, I find myself, um, addicted to TV, um, I hope my boss isn't listening because I also shirk my work duties um, to <laughs> to make sure that I'm catching key moments. This year it's a bit easier, right? Because they're in a part of the world where I can't watch in the workday. Um, there's nothing new happening during the workday. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a passion of mine, and I, I post in my Instagram stories a lot. And this year I did, I'm doing daily updates, and so um, a lot of my life has revolved around around loving the Olympics and and sharing that love with other people. And you have been to a lot of the Olympic like sites. That's true. Whenever I visit a city that's hosted the Olympics, I try to go see um, kind of their Olympic village or um, Olympic park. Um, so I've, I've seen uh, kind of Olympic places in Tokyo and Montreal and Atlanta in London, um, not in Paris, weirdly, for some reason. I, I didn't visit the Paris sites, even though I've been there a couple times. But yeah, I, I always try to stop in, stop by, um, and just kind of soak up some of that Olympic glory, since I, I haven't been to an active Olympics yet. Um, and I say yet, because it will happen. Oh, I God feel willing. like it's just a matter of time. I really hope so. I was really upset when they gave Leslie Jones that Olympics gig, because I was like, I deserve that Olympics gig. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does she know about them? I know everything. Amazing. Oh, man. We I just want to hop in real quick and fact check you because you said Tara Lipinski with Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean Tara it Lipinski. It was Tanya Hardy. That was so cruel. <laughs> Poor Tara. I didn't I mean know, I didn't wait mean a minute. It was, Mich- was against with Michelle Kwan. Michelle Kwan. Yeah. 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 I do remember that. That was like Oh, Salt God. Poor, poor Tara Lipinski. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember she, she skated in her year um, to... Uh, that song from Anastasia, Dancing Bears Painted Wings. Oh, yeah. Eyes. Yeah. I re- I'll never forget it. I was really mad because I wanted Michelle Kwan to win. But I- and I couldn't listen to that song for a while. <laughs> also, also uh, regarding the Tanya Hardy, Nance, Tardia, Tanya Hardy, Nancy Kerrigan situation, uh, there's a great episode of You're Wrong About that talks about. I know. Her life that. is really tragic, blah, blah, blah. But I was a child and I fell well, into the yes. narrative. This is true. This is true. You. That's why. That's why the you're wrong abouts exist. So mm-hmm. if anyone is interested in like the you're wrong abouts about that, there's a great episode of that episode of that podcast. Yeah, it's so. a it's a really sad story for her. For both well, of them, I think really. actually, that's actually a really good uh, segue into um, the narrative that 
the Olympics is like given to us, right? So yeah. like you can't just watch the Olympics. You can't just watch the sports and cheer for the athletes. There's like a whole story around the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I think there this this is important in for a few different reasons, right? So uh, on on one hand, I think it's it's there actually are stories, right? Like like there, I'm thinking right now of um, the the 400 meter hurdles. Um, men's final race was like last night, um, and the way NBC was like billing this, like the race of the century. You'll never see anything like this ever again. And the literal announcers, you know, during the race, um, who are you know track all stars in their own right, um, were like, "I'm so glad I was I could be alive." during this time right like like it's so dramatic right um but but also that's like kind of the truth right like uh, you know these people have been around their sports for a long time and these two these two guys who are racing against each other have raced each other numerous times and and everyone knew a world record was going to be broken and and everyone knew that they were going to face off against each other if, if everything went right and so like on some on some sense there like is actually a story right um but then there's also the fact that um, you know, NBC and all the other news channels around the world that are are airing the Olympics. First of all, they pay a lot of money to get television rights. I, I think NBC has a deal for like two or three Olympics. Um, uh, and it's like, I mean, in the in the hundreds of, of millions of dollars, like uh, they're paying a lot of money for rights to, to the games. And, and, and viewership is declining, right? So they have to make a story. They have to make it dramatic. They have to make it um, something that people want to tune in and watch, right? Um, and so I think they, they build the stories as a, they build these stories as a way to, um, most, you know, let me, let me take a side deviation here and just say like, most of us don't watch these sports on a normal basis, right? Like I'm not like an expert in diving or gymnastics or, you know, track cycling. So they have to find a way to make it not just, um, a cool side thing that I might tune into, but like something that I'm like invested in. Right. And I think that's what the storytelling is about. It's both to make us invested um, because, because these athletes are amazing and maybe, maybe worth our time. I think it's worth my time. Um, But also because they have to make money, right. They have to sell the airwaves. Um, And uh, uh, this, I think that helps in the process. And they will pull stories from anywhere. Like they will, they will take anything that these people like any even like ounce of hardship quote unquote like some people like and some of the some of the athletes have definitely overcome like big things mm-hmm. um but some of them also you're like um i don't i don't really feel like this is like a thing that we really need to just be like spending a lot of time on like uh yeah. my favorite was the other <laughs> uh I can't even remember what sport it was. Was it racing or, or, or uh, I think, oh, I think it was, um, it was the men's hundred meter. Uh, and the guy that won was from Italy mm-hmm. and they were like, and he moved to Italy as an infant and now he's a gold medalist. And the other <laughs> one was like, what a story. And I was like, was it? What? Was that really a great story? Like, it just seems like he and his a- mom moved to Italy when he was an infant it was a complete sentence. Like, I, it's, a, it's really just more a fact. It doesn't really seem like a, a big, like, oh, my God, he overcame so much, and now he's won the gold medal on the 100 meter. Like, I get a lot of DMs on my Instagram uh, about the Olympics, obviously, because people know I'm, I'm 
invested in, in anything and everything Olympics related. And one, somebody DM'd me, um, an old acquaintance from college, um, DM'd me to, to report on her least favorite, which was a swimmer, uh, Regan Smith, maybe her name is something like that. Um, and she got a couple silver medals and then she was like, she, she held the world record in some of the sport, some events, but she wasn't clearly like, wasn't really the favorite anymore, but they like wanted to, they needed to tell a story. Right. Um, and they, they bet wrong. Cause like they basically ate like, I didn't watch this, but my friend was like, they basically were like, yeah, here's a girl. She swims. Like it was like a deep, it was like one of those dramatic, like, you know, like they went to her home, they showed her practice. They're like, yeah, she works really hard, but there's like no substance to it. It was just like, here's a girl that swims. Congratulations. <laughs> <Hope she> wins. <laughs> um, and my favorite was, I, I saw a couple back to back of um, male swimmers who had, who both, I think either didn't get gold or didn't even like win. Like they might not have even won anything. Not to say that, that they're still great athletes to be clear, but like, they didn't even win, right? So it was like a bet on them being like us being invested in them and then they didn't it didn't pay off. But they were like this Aaron Pearsall, who's a US swimmer from a, you know, the 2000 Olympics was his the time that he dominated. Aaron Pearsall got a typewriter and he like typed on this typewriter a letter to this other swimmer. And, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like, what am I And then they like reenacted like him typing on the typewriter. It was I'm like, so weird. <laughs> Exactly. I also just don't feel like that gives me mu- like there are enough cool people to invest in and enough real rivalries to invest in that like why are we wasting our time with like like you know Joe Johnson like the most plain average Joe dude from the U.S. just because he's an American athlete, right? Um, but- oh, I have a lot of thoughts about. <laughs> have a lot of thoughts about the uh very u.s centric coverage oh interesting tell me more i just i okay i'm gonna out myself as not a very patriotic person <laughs> when i say this I, i'm not and I'm i don't not, know if anybody who's listening it would be really surprised <laughs> uh, yeah if anyone has no if anyone knows me or has listened to the podcast for a particularly long time you've probably picked up on this i'm not like the most patriotic person like i i definitely think that there are benefits to living in the united states but i definitely do not think that we are the greatest country in the world i think i was like i think i told megan the other day i was like in first grade when i started questioning why people called us the greatest country in the world and i never really got a satisfactory answer they were like we just are and i'm like uh okay um um, and I like I get it. I get that you know we are supposed to be supporting our U.S. athletes. Woohoo! And I get that it is coverage like broadcasting into the states. So of course they're going to be very like into the the American athletes. But I don't know. Sometimes I want to hear something about the other countries that is like paints them in a nicer light than what NBC usually does. Hmm. I think that's that's really a fair point. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of times, like, especially if it is a predominantly like not white country, uh, like I feel like, you know, Great Britain, Australia, whatever, Canada, like they're fine. Um, in the way that their athletes are usually talked about. But I feel like a lot of times, anytime athletes from non-white countries are talked about, so often it's like, oh, they overcame so much hardship. Wah! And I'm like, uh, 
just don't really know if that's like the most appropriate way to be talking about other countries and their athletes. Like, I don't know. I just feel, it just feels weird to me. There's just something that feels weird about it in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think that I really noticed that even during the opening ceremonies when they, when they did the parade of nations and you're watching everyone come out and they like have to say something about each of the countries that they show. Mm-hmm. And you could really tell that they were struggling to say something nice about some of the countries. And it's like, uh, like maybe work harder on this copy. I think it was really awkward because I think, I think they had producers write notes for them, but then Savannah Guthrie and the other guy just like kind of said whatever they wanted. Yeah. It was weird. There was definitely, there were definitely moments where I was like, "Uh I don't know. That feels like a weird thing to say. Hmm. I think um, I, have a, I have a few thoughts. Um, so my first is, you know, during the opening ceremony in particular, um, I think that is 100% the most awkward time in coverage. Um, and they really should just stick to the facts. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you know, say kind of the same things about every country, you know, small there, you know, this tiny island, you know, sends more athletes every year. Fine. Like, you know, who cares? Um, but I, I did, I think I, I particularly feel uncomfortable. Um, I think the Tonga stuff is, is really weird. The, the Tonga guy who, you know, comes shirtless in every year. I think that's totally his prerogative and it's great. Um, but the, the way that they talk about him, um, is very strange to me and like overly sexualized and, and probably a bit of like a, uh, there's probably a bit of a racial thing there as well. And then when it comes to the, to the other kind of poor, um, or low and middle income countries, um, or, or non-white countries. Yeah, probably there are some weird stuff. I don't know. Maybe I just, I, I didn't pay enough attention, but I, I don't tend to notice anything too, too offensive um, that, or that, I, I don't know. But I also am not paying all that much attention to that, that to the opening ceremonies as I do to the actual sporting events. Um, on, on the second point I would make is that I think NBC um you know kind of like like you said right like this is a money this is a money making enterprise and the focus on american athletes um is is unique to nbc because uh well in some sense it's unique to nbc in some sense like if you're if you're the dominant person in a sport they're going to focus on you just like nbc does right um uh so so like yeah it's a money making like it's it's one of the downsides to um to like the way that the nbc to the way that the olympics are broadcast around the world um, but that's how the IOC makes their money. And so it's going to, I mean, unless there, unless in the future there's a different way to, um, to, to ha- make the broadcast happen, I think that's going to continue to be the case. Because, I mean, frankly, like, viewership for all sporting events is down. I think the Super Bowl was, like, the lowest ever this year or, or you know, in the last couple of years. Um, same with, you know, NBA Finals. Same with kind of everything. Like, people just don't care as much anymore. And there's so much streaming. And so, like, you know networks are fighting um to to for for people's eyes and i think uh that it's only going to get worse um uh when it comes to like the focus on americans in future years and the last thing i'll say is um i think nbc does a really interesting and pretty good job when there are like good <laughs> good is a, is a maybe the wrong word they do a uh, reasonable reasonable job showing uh when there are good rivals like you know building out yeah. that rivalry and like they they really they travel to these other countries and film these people you know other 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 athletes from other countries training and and running and you know i i i, I don't maybe i'm giving them too much credit 
Um, but I, when I think about the amount of logistical, like the logistical feat that, that is, um, airing the Olympics and putting together that many background stories on that many athletes around the world, I'm actually gobsmacked by the fact that they do it. Like this must be, I don't know, a two year enterprise, right? A minimum of them. Like, all right, like we have 72 sports, like which are the ones that people want to watch the most? Who are the people that are the most competitive against Americans? How do we go go there and like, you know, film them? And like, it, it's a, it's a quite, kind of an amazing enterprise. It's kind of, it's, it's one of those things that maybe like my overactive, like how does TV happen? Brain is like, wow, I wonder, I wonder how it should work. I wonder whose job that is. Like, that sounds like an interesting job. Um, the person who like puts everything together. So yeah, also, those are all my thoughts. I also feel like, I also feel, and like maybe, maybe, maybe the coverage in some ways is improving um, and the way they portray other countries is improving. Like I, I have very vivid memories of like, um, like I feel like my view, uh, particularly on, for example, like Russian gymnastics or ice skating or Chinese gymnastics and ice skating, like, in, like those countries in particular mm-hmm. are still very much formed from watching the Olympics as a kid where they would show like borderline militaristic like training regimens for both of those countries for those sports and like paint it as like they are so intense mm-hmm. they're the most intense about their sport Blah! And, like, I still have a hard time watching those athletes compete and not, like, thinking about, yeah, and not thinking about, like, oh, my gosh, they just, like, I remember them painting this as, like, them being so intense and yada, yada, yada. And maybe this, maybe that is the case. Maybe they still are. But I just, I have always found it interesting how just certain certain countries, especially if there is a big rivalry between that country and the States in a particular sport, um, how they portray those other countries and their approaches to their training and athletics and stuff like that. I've always found that interesting. I I have a a semi-controversial thought, um, which is... Please bring it. We love um, it. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it's controversial. We'll see. Um, so I'm going to take it back to college where my freshman year roommate used to watch 24, like the show 24 with Keeper Sutherland Uh and every effing season would end like, okay, one season would start with like a Mexican drug cartel. Right. And it'd be like, oh my God, they're the bad guys. And it would end and it would be the Russians. Right. And then the next season would start with like a Middle Eastern oil cartel. And you'd think they were the bad guys. And then in the end, it was always the Russians. And I was like, this is just written by some old dudes who were like alive during the Cold War. And like, they just can't let it go. And then all this like election stuff happened. And I started really like understanding that um, in some sense, I was the naive one. And that people, maybe it was people in power really do like, they really are just like fighting these crazy like wars not in secret, I mean, anymore, right? But, like, right. I, I think things are actually as intense or more intense than than we might know. And the, the reason I think this, um, and the reason I think that things like this might actually, like, the narrative, like, they've actually, they've softened the narrative maybe because, A, the, the U.S. is 
as bad in some ways, right? Like, let's think about gymnastics, right? They can't go ahead. They can't go around criticizing any other gymnastics group in the U.S. at this point because we have a serious problem in the U.S. that we're not addressing. So they're just keeping quiet on all gymnastics issues, probably. But like, um, and there have been big scandals that have rocked international, like every international organization, right? Like gymnastics has had theirs, figure skating has had theirs. They've had huge kind of. Uh, bribery scandals, doping scandals, all kinds of scandals. So I, I think NBC is tuned back, not just NBC. To be clear, NBC had only started regularly hosting the Olympics in 2000. So any memories before that are not actually guaranteed to be NBC. Um, but the American way of portraying these things, um, while it has softened, um, it is, is maybe not as inaccurate as I would like to think. The other thing that makes me think that is what happened, if, you know, or or is still happening um, with Russia and their and the the way that they approach doping. Doping is a problem in all sports, um, and it's not it's not just a Russian problem, but um, the way that they approached it and the systematic and like really meticulous nature with which they approached it like does not give me um, a lot of hope um, that it is not that intense anymore. <laughs> I guess. Right. So that's maybe controversial, but like, I, I yeah, I, I think you're right that there's uh, that like our views and my views and you know I can't we we watch the same Olympics coverage right so right I, I, my views have definitely been shaped by that as well but also there's a there's an air of truth to it um, or at least there was and and it should color the way we look at these athletes in so some sense. Can we talk about can we talk about Russia and the ROC? Yeah, let's do it. I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. So. I don't know if I, I don't know if I should say this on the podcast, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, so, okay. for context, As long as you're not planning on traveling to Russia, I think. I'm not planning fine. to travel to Russia anytime soon. Uh, the, so ROC is the Russian Olympic Committee. Is that right? Correct. Uh, my husband has said it stands for Russian official cheaters. <laughs> it's their like, it's the, it's the team of Russian athletes because they're not currently allowed to compete under their national flag and so that's like the workaround so that they can compete is my is my understanding of it correct that, yeah that's correct yeah. yeah um there was a really excellent meme in a group that Ada and i are both in um <laughs> that was the the scene from thor ragnarok where he's he <laughs> thor is like out in the streets and the girl's like um you can't just like be out here they're gonna recognize you and he just like pulls pulls the piece of cloth over his face and like they won't now (laughs) and it was like comparing (laughs) to the russians and then like the rocs them just like putting the cloth over their face like ah they won't recognize us now Mm -hmm. um and i kind of that's kind of how i feel about it like they're still russian athletes like is it really solving the problem yeah, no, I think I think um, there there's a big question of of I get that the IOC is trying to be fair, right? They're trying to be fair to athletes that had no say in the way that the Russian government 
um, from the top down, right? This is not this is not just like random sporting people shooting shooting up athletes, right? This is like the Kremlin knew about it and was like, yeah, let's do it, right? Like this is like the this would be like the president Joe Biden being like, we should have a doping campaign, right? Like it's kind of crazy when you think about it, but that's why you know my answer to the last kind of conversation was like, yeah, it's crazy, but it also could be true, right? <laughs> like it's it's actually that crazy, um, and I, and I get that the the. The IOC, the International Olympic Committee, um, who puts on the Olympics, um, is, is trying to be fair to athletes um, who have worked really hard. And, you know, you have a small window of greatness, right? Like, and if you miss one Olympics, like, sucks for you. You might not be there in four years, right? You're not going to be as good. You'll be four years older, whatever. I get that they're trying to be fair. At the same time, I... Not only not only do I think it's not fair to other athletes to have athletes who are potentially um, doping um, in a really like super clever, really ingenious, futuristic way, right. In a way that can bypass tests. Um, not only would it be unfair to other, is it unfair to other athletes to potentially have um, those athletes there? I think Russia is not learning its lesson. And I think also they're not even following the rules of the, of kind of the the ROC being allowed to participate, you know, like no Russian colors and blah, 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 right? Like they're not even following the basic rules. And so I, I think it'll be interesting to see what the IOC does from here on out, um, you know, if, if in the next Olympics, because I think the ne- the ban lasts through the, the Winter Olympics and maybe even to the next Summer Olympics. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the IOC handles this because it's clearly a problem and, and different athletes have spoken about it in interviews, um, and uh, and how frustrating it is for them. So, um, yeah, I, I get what they're trying to do. Um, maybe maybe next year it's like make them come as uh, independent athletes. That there's an independent athletes team, right? Make them come as not refugees, but like create a new category, um, right. and and make them compete in a group with other athletes who also don't have a home country to represent because they shouldn't have a home country to represent, right? If Russia's not allowed. Yeah, that was the confusing part for me where it was like, well, Russia's not allowed, but we'll just like slightly change the name and it's still Russia in the name. Mm-hmm. We just can't have the flag, but everything else is literally the same. Mm-hmm. Right. They're like they're still you can even look at their like the athletes. Uh, 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 what's it called? The stuff that uniform costume. Thank you. <laughs> their costume. It's a costume yeah. in England. I guess so. Uh, their kits, their uniforms, their mm-hmm. costumes, whatever we want to call them. Um, like, y- you could look at them and be like, yeah, those are Russian athletes. Because mm-hmm. they look the exact same as they did when they were competing under their national flag. A hundred percent. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's they bananas. look the exact same as they, like, their exact same colors as they've been my entire life yeah so and in some yeah. sense i feel bad for russian athletes right like if you really are just like a clean athlete from yes. russia and you're you're you don't uh, other than what you wear when you're competing and sometimes even then right you don't get to choose what you're wearing so like right. maybe they're like i maybe i have no idea right but there are probably some clean russian athletes out there there was you know that there was a swimmer an american and a british swimmer who lost um to a russian guy and they said like they were in a post post um swim interview the Russian guy was sitting in the middle, the British and the American guy were on his left and right. And they were like, yeah, it sucks to be in a sport where maybe someone's doping. Awkward, awkward interview, first of all. Um, (laughs) But second, he was like, he was like, I, I am for clean sport from the, he, he said from the bottom of my heart. And just imagine if he really is clean and it's the greatest achievement of his life. Yeah. And it's being doubted. Exactly. You have 
bad apples. It's it's and I, I mean no, you're a good apple in a bad system. You're a good I think it's more like, like it, barrel. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it is yeah. it is really sad for them because you don't know who who to believe and who not to believe. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what the right solution is. I I totally feel bad for these young people. Um, yeah. Most of them are young. I, yeah, they Some are, oldies yeah. like us tossed in there from time to time. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yes, the grandmas of the sport. Oh, they're so old. She's 24. Right oh. after Katie Ledecky won her, her 800 meter or maybe the 1500. I think it was the 1500. They were like all the guy. No, it was the 800 because that was her last race. And the two announcers were like bemoaning like, oh, she's never going to swim again. She's going to retire because she's so old. She won't make it to Paris. And then she came over to the interview lady and she's like, oh, like, do you think you're going to race again? She's like, oh, for sure. Like, I totally plan on being in Paris and maybe the one after that. And I was like, guy, like, right. she's not that old. OK, right. <laughs> she's 24. I feel so bad for her because they. it seems like they really cannot decide how they want to approach her. <laughs> Because they go back and forth between, like, being, she's the greatest ever, and then be like, she's so old, and then <laughs> she, like, didn't do so good in a couple of races, and they're like, how does it feel to come in second? Do You must feel terrible. You must feel like, like you lost you America's support. <laughs> right, and I want to be like, Alex was, Alex was bitching about this, like, yesterday. He was like, I am so sick of these reporters going mm-hmm. in and being like, how does it feel that you only won silver? And he's mm-hmm. like, I want one of them to be like, where's your Olympic silver medal, bitch? Mm-hmm. Like- mm-hmm. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, and you know what? The, the, the funny slash sad thing is this is literally exactly what Naomi Osaka was talking about when she said, yeah. I don't want to do interviews because it messes with my mental health. This is exactly what she was talking about. Yeah. It's I don't, not even I don't blame her. not even two months later, and we're we're recycling the same the same narratives. It's really sad. Well, and like okay, when, so Simone Biles she withdraws herself from most of the gymnastics competitions, but she was they were in the middle of the team uh, the team competition, and she withdraws for her mental health. And then at the end, like they just kept like it was very clear like to me at least when I was watching um, the coverage later and they you know the gal is interviewing them as a team it was very clear to me that like Simone was sort of trying to be like yo I've barely discussed this with my team I do not have any interest in discussing it with you Mm -hmm. and they just kept being like they just kept pushing and she kept And also, I mean, do you want to ask know. any questions from the three athletes who just want us, who won us a silver medal? Do right. You, do you have any questions for them? No. About okay. anything besides the fact that Simone like withdrew, like because that's all they talked about. Like, yeah. I, I was I was so annoyed that a they were so very clearly violating like the, the boundary that she had. yeah the boundary that I feel like she was without every without explicitly saying I do not wish to speak about this Mm -hmm. because of course if she did that then everyone would be coming after her being like ah she's such a bitch blah blah Mm -hmm. blah 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 but then also like ignoring these other three women who competed their asses off Mm -hmm. absolutely like come on come on people no it's been a it's been a frustrating games and I, I I I I feel like I shouldn't uh 
overread and overpost about the Simone Biles situation because because you know she deserves her privacy and and hasn't spoken out anymore. So why should we keep talking about something we don't know have any more real you know firsthand information on? Um, but at the same time, I think the reaction from you know many corners of of the internet and the and the kinds of people who say lamestream media. Um, the, the reaction from, from those corners of the world has been uh, very disheartening uh, and, and, and hard to watch. And I can't imagine what it's like to be, again, she's 24, right? I can't imagine what it's like yeah. to be a 24-year-old. Thank God she's been to an Olympics before. Thank God she has, you know, lived more life and fallen in love and has feels like she has the support and the you know, inner strength to say, no, I'd rather not break my neck today. Right. Like if there's ever been a clear tie between mental health and physical health, it's the one that she just gave us and people just Mm -hmm. like looked right past it and we're like, nope, she should risk her life for, for our, you know, mere entertainment. Literal Um, life and limb. It's, it's really, it's, it was hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, she has experienced more in her lifetime and she's only 24 than like most people ever will absolutely so like i I just want to tell everybody just like just sit down and shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) like it just makes me really mad i I will say that there was a lot of people that were oh for sure posting a lot of really great messages to support and actually um it made me really emotional Mm -hmm. because like that's the kind of stuff that like, she shouldn't have had to do what she did to get that kind of support. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think anybody else who is, like, out there struggling, like, that's that's the kind of support that you want, but you don't want it to have to get to a breaking point to get that mm-hmm. support. Mm-hmm. I just, the mom in me just wants to, like, bring her, like, a cozy blanket and, like, a cup of tea and just, like, be like, it's okay. Like, you're doing great, sweetie. Yeah like yeah uh. literally like i just think like when i have when i have motion sickness right in the car which is like maybe the most basic form of like kind of approaching what the twisties is right your body and your brain aren't matching up Mm -hmm. when when i have motion sickness i get like i'm like grumpy as f i'm i'm unproductive (laughs) i need to like take dramamine and knock myself the f out right like and that's like me not risking my life right like i it shouldn't be that hard for people to come up with like mental mental models use cases Mm -hmm. examples of like times that things were a little bit hard for them when you had the flu do you want to compete in something when you have the flu like i'm 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 mad i'm mad but yeah 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 rightfully so yeah rightfully so (sighs) oh i I gotta talk about something else that makes me mad can we be mad about a different thing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's be And mad. that is the women's uniforms. Mm. Or costumes. Or costumes. Kits. Kits. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Also, it, this, I feel like this goes together with what Megan was texting me about last night, which was NBC's <laughs> dedication to showing beach volleyball. Oh, yeah. They love beach volleyball. Can you, do you know, because you, I feel like you, I mean, you've watched the Olympics for forever. And I remember beach volleyball being big a few years ago, I guess. They had, like, the dream team of beach volleyball or whatever. But I don't remember it being, like, a long-standing thing where everybody's like, oh, got to watch the beach volleyball. 
In prime uh, it's been on every night in prime time. I, like the whole game live. I don't. A couple things. A couple thoughts. A couple thoughts. Okay. Uh, one. Uh, yeah. So a couple. A couple years back, there was a really good team. Um. Oh no. The last two Olympics, actually. Um. So Beijing and in Rio, there were. Uh, is that right? No. London and Rio. <laughs> Sorry. Um. <laughs> there were really good team. April Ross and what's her name? I don't remember her. The other ladies. Carrie something. Um. Were really good on the women's side, and then there was like this really tall guy named. I think Dollhauser is his last name and then some of his old partner on the men's side. Right. And they were really, really good. And so I think anything that Americans are like really, really good in and like super dominant, like, you know, gets a little gains, a little steam. Right. So there's, there's that. And I think there's also just like the once, once things gain a little steam and they're like a little sexy, like, yeah, <laughs> like it's good. <laughs> and then the last piece is that I, I do think that there is so w- with Tokyo as like when it's in Australia or China or whatever, right. There's that aspect of like timing and it just so happens that like beach volleyball goes either super late. So it's on in, it's actually on live early in the morning or it, it happens really early because they play outside. Things that happen outside in Tokyo because it's so hot and humid right now are starting at like six, seven thirty in the morning, their time or going super late at night. So it just happens that it's also on live during the time that we happen to be awake. Um, and, and which is, um, depending on your perspective, fortunate or unfortunate. <laughs> I think it's just annoying because it happened. Like they've just been showing it multiple days in a row and the way that volleyball works, it's like a tournament. So mm-hmm. you have to play many, many games, So many games, even get to the medals. And um, frankly, like, this is it's kind of this maybe doesn't matter but like uh, yeah it it it's not that interesting beach volleyball in particular no. um it's, it's it's interesting the indoor like the volleyball men- is really interesting to me because it's like indoor scary and intense because there's so many more people that play it's really scary looking <laughs> there's a lot of violence that's happening in that game um but yeah i i think beach volleyball is a, it's not my favorite and i i, I personally the, don't like yeah. butts that much there's a lot of you don't like butts that much? I don't like butts that much. And so like all the butts in the sports with the women oh where they're like p- water polo, although our, our friend Kathleen explained that, you know, water polo, they wear really small swimsuits because or like they wear basically thong swimsuits because there needs to be less room for, you know, area for opponents to grab because it is, again, a very violent sport. I didn't never realize how violent it was. Looks horrifying. <laughs> it's so violent. It's like punching, but in the water. It's like water wrestling is how I would describe it with a ball involved. Um, so they have, you know, there's a reason theoretically. I mean, I guess they could also just wear like longer spandex, right? Like, like, right, like that would swimmers. that would be very hard to grab. Yeah, like male swimmers. Um, so like there, there are reasons maybe for some of them, but I don't know if they're good enough reasons to mandate that that's the way uniforms are. I just um, don't, I just don't like, and Alex made a really good point about it last night. He was like, you know, for these sports where they're, especially where they're played outside, for example, beach volleyball, where they've mandated that these teeny, they have to have these teeny They're tiny, so small. They're so small. Like they're, they're literally, they're, even their tops are so small. Some of these women can barely fit their names on the back of their like bra. That's so true. <laughs> like, I think the American, cause the Americans like April Ross and Alex, whatever her name is, like they have their first names on the back of their top i think because it was easier to fit than their last names i don't Mm. even know but um like alex also pointed out he's like what if 
like you're someone with a history of skin cancer mm-hmm. and you just would really rather have more of your skin covered because it's literally safer for you. Yeah. And you're being told like, no, you can't have your torso covered. No, you can't have like, even aside from just not feeling comfortable in a teeny tiny bikini bottom or whatever, like right. what if you have like an actual reason beyond comfort which is absolutely a valid reason like what if you have a like a medical reason like hey i have had a history of cancerous moles i really probably should have more of my skin covered up yeah i mean the like like with everything that's an international competition or like a bunch of countries coming together the um actual mechanics of of wardrobing people is is more complex than you'd think um and of, of how like uniforms come together and it's a combination of like um countries and teams choosing and and like so there are many levels right every sport has its own governing body domestically and internationally so there's like u.s gymnastics and then like the international gymnastics federation and then you know there's the national olympic committee like the u.s olympic committee and then there's the international olympic committee and all of these all of these groups have a say in you know in, in, in everything, but in, in specifically for this conversation and what people wear um, and kind of the, I think it's mostly the international federations who kind of set the standard. Um, so like US or International Volleyball Association or whatever would set the standards for what's wear, worn on indoor volleyball courts versus on beach volleyball courts, what men have to wear or can't wear, what women have to wear or can't wear. And then beyond that, it's up to the individual you know national olympic committee or or the uh, individual national sporting body so like u.s olympic committee or u.s a volleyball or whatever to determine like what the actual uniforms look like within the rules that the international federation has set up um so there are many many layers and it's not always clear to me which layer like stipulates you have to wear this right um but i i just think it's it is a problem that hopefully I haven't I have never seen during the Olympics people actively talking about it this much. And I'm I and I do I do think that in the next several years we'll see change. Um because because I think, you know, times are changing and, and um people these these international bodies respond to international pressure. Um and so uh, hopefully in the next few years. It, it's not that I think, you know, women shouldn't be allowed to wear revealing clothes. Of course they should, right? right. Um, it's that, like, you sh- it shouldn't be the rules that you have to wear something that's super right. revealing. Well, I mean, even, like, track and field, like, the runners, mm-hmm. like, you can have, like, I was watching uh, some of the running yesterday, and you can have women from the same country mm-hmm. wearing different like one of them will wear the like more like bikini bottom type things and some of them will wear the shorts and some mm-hmm. of them have like more of just like a sports bra and some of them have like a longer like cropped like top type of situation and yeah. so but, so it's even like okay in track clearly they have a few options to work with here yeah like, they give them what, a lot let's 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 extend that grace to some of these other sports where if there's not like a functional reason to have a specific way there's no there's no functional those those little tiny beach volleyball bikini bottoms do not serve any functional purpose you guys they just don't other than i'm pretty sure they were put in place by pervy white guys (laughs) out of curiosity um what do you think of the usa track and field like kind of 
uh, holographic. I've, I haven't talked about this with anyone yet. And I'm just curious what other, like, I don't know. I don't know how to like form an opinion on them. I think I like them, but I'm also like, they're weird. Um, I, you know what? I haven't really thought about the, let's see. Okay. So. You know, like the tops are like kind of red, red, blue hologrammy looking. They're really, I guess I didn't really, I don't really notice them that much because their name takes up so much of the space. It's yeah. so interesting. You like the to little me. paper thing that has covering up the shirt. That's fair. That's a good point. A lot of them do wear those really big numbers. That's true. I, yeah. I just, I, I like every time I see them, I'm like, I don't know how to the process only, what I'm looking at. The only, uniforms, <laughs> the only uniforms that, I mean, it is kind of weird. Um, yeah, I'm looking at pictures now. They are, I mean, it is a little strange. The, they're better than the swimming, uh, the swimsuits. The women, I mean, both the men's and women's swimsuits were hideous, but the women's were, like, particularly bad. Uh, there was, like, it was, like, the way that the pattern was, it made, like, a really dark shadow over the crotch. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting choice. So what's interesting about swimming is that they wear their own sponsored swimwear there is no official usa swimming sponsor some of them were speedo some of them were tyr some of them were like what they call like arena i think well then it's the tyr ones the tyr ones are fugly but but also a a lot of them are ugly to be to be fair a, a lot of them are ugly um and i and and a lot of them this year went for this like very bold America, like, like, um, like eagles and stars look that is yes. um, very weird to me. Um, but I like the men's gymnastics outfits. Was like also bam, eagle, eagle heavy. Yeah, eagle eating my nipple. Ah! Also <laughs> eagle heavy. Eagles are you know they're majestic animals, but they're a tough look for uh, for outfits, in my opinion. I, okay, it turns out it turns out I am not the only one that had this comment about the TYR swimsuits this year because it looks like <laughs> I just found a news article uh, where it was like th- that someone on TikTok was like, "What is going on? It looks like they're wearing Merkins. Like <laughs> this is not okay." Yeah, <laughs> so I I feel justified that I was not the only one that looked at those and went, "Oh, this is a weird choice, guys." Yeah. No, I think. The the men's um, the the ones that I've I've heard the most discussion about are the men's swimming, men's gymnastics, which you brought up, Megan, and I mean you guys you guys are an explicit show, right? Yes, um, the 100%. men's uh, a couple of the men's uh, track and field runners. <laughs> oh, I straight up was like, I can see your penis, like not just your penis, I can see like the head of your penis. It is, it's tough, like, you guys. Are wearing like. Proper underwear. You can see know. it all. You can oh, see no. straight up. There's your dick, dude. It was oh the it was God. the 400 meter hurdles guy. Yes. It was him. Oh my gosh, there was a few of them. There were a few of them where I was like, oh my God, I can see your entire dick. I like can see everything. And not just not just like there's a bulge, <laughs> but like straight up, there's the head of your penis. I am really uncomfortable. Guys, what's happening. Here's another one. Here's another one to check out. That's that's uh, upsetting. Sport climbing. Because they wear those harnesses. And, oh, the, no. and then when they harness them in, they all like do this weird adjust thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> awful. <laughs> oh, no. It is. Um, 
so much, so there much is fun. Nothing like adjusting your junk on <laughs> international, <laughs> international television, forever God. to be replayed, forever. Oh, oh man. <laughs> So yeah, outfits. Outfits are great. <laughs> outfits are <laughs> truly wild, guys. <laughs> Speaking of sport climbing, though, like what what other sports this year are new and that you may or may not be excited about? Um. Okay. So there, are, I think there. Are, it's hard because there are new sports and new events, and I always get them mm-hmm. a little bit mixed up, but. Um, I believe, uh, so wrestling was out and back in. I don't remember if it got added back in this Olympics or the, or the last one. And I wasn't super excited about it. I'll be honest. But, uh, this year there was some like really, there were some really inspirational performances, especially on the women's side. So, um, I'm okay with it. Golf. I mean, like, okay. I have a lot of feelings <laughs> about golf as a sport. Okay. Today. I mean, fine. Okay. Um, surfing ha- was awesome. Surfing was really cool. Surfing's amazing. Um, the big the big thing about surfing that's interesting to me um, is how it will get staged in the future. Um, that you know with so the the interesting thing about the Olympics is uh, compared to like the World Cup, right? That I think people don't often think about is that cities host the Olympics and countries host the World Cup. So like yeah. mm-hmm. city hosting the Olympics, Tokyo happens to be not too far from water. Atlanta, where the ninety six Olympics were pretty far from water la where the 2028 olympics are right on the water right so there, there's a lot of i think it places an interesting limitation on how countries can bid i think there are plans to partner with other countries to host or other cities or whatever to host your i mean they're already spread out like i mean not everything's happening in tokyo right um right. but but still they're gonna have to spread out even more and potentially um, landlocked countries, which don't well, often host the Olympics, they'll they'll partner with other countries I with mean, water to to do things like, like that. Even like uh, like Paris, I don't. Really I think, think they're about... hosting it in Fiji. Okay, because I was gonna say like I really don't see a lot of like surfing happening in the English Channel. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess there's some surfing in the Mediterranean. I I think I I heard a rumor that they're hosting the the Paris Olympics um, surfing competition in Fiji. So like, it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out, right? Like that's so that's one thing. Surfing is, is I think it's super cool. I'm I'm really happy it's here. Skateboarding super cool, but like very dangerous, very very dangerous. Uh, oh, it looking, makes me so anxious. I got very stressed. Softball and baseball are back, I believe, and uh, really wish they weren't. Gonna be honest. Um, <laughs> They're so boring. Seems like a huge waste of everyone's time. Um, I, I mean, I'm happy for the teams that um you know are 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 winning but blah and i think karate also got added as well um and then like several sports had new events added like there were a lot of new like mixed team events so like sports that aren't usually like by themselves like i shoot a gun or i do archery um i don't know why i said it like that (laughs) but (laughs) then they they, like an individual male player and an individual female player come together and like do the sport together as a team um and i think i think it's a it's like an interesting conceptual thing to think about, like why mixed team sports are interesting, right? Like we already have them competing as individuals. Like we already know who's the best. Like what's the point of doing the mixed team sport? And I think there's something that like, 
uh, I was reading one of my papers earlier, right, uh, that I wrote about the Olympics because I've written several. And one of the things I wrote was like, sports should be about individual glory, right? Like there's like a lot of a lot of like academics have made this point. Like it's stupid to have people representing their countries. Like these people just like work hard on their own. Often their countries don't even invest that much in them, right? Like mm-hmm. why do they represent their countries? And I think this is like kind of getting more to like, okay, like now we're like getting a woman and a man we're getting like all the genders and we're saying like all right like everyone compete against each other and we'll determine like who all around is like the best or so i don't know that's like kind of the mental model i put together for why they're are they're adding so many mixed team sports i mean i don't know what do you guys think i think it's a really weird change cool but but weird (laughs) i i think it's weird i also think it's cool and interesting but it is a little weird but i yeah, I don't know. Like, all I, these people are also competing in the individual events. <laughs> so it just, like, so doesn't... It super feels very exhausting. <laughs> the mixed team uh, triathlon this year, the Americans, had never practiced together before the final. Oh, well, that's not strong. They had never practiced. Like, what is that? So what is it telling us about, like, what is their win? Like, I think they won silver or bronze or something. Like, what does that tell us about anything? Except for, like, okay, there are four really good athletes... <laughs> now that they're right. really good together i don't know i think it's interesting <laughs> three yeah it makes me wonder like i don't know it doesn't make sense to me because i don't know i don't know where i was gonna go with that i just don't really get it yeah. i guess i think it's a weird choice i mean i certainly enjoy watching like the mixed team judo was added this year and France won and like the way that they supported each other, right? People who aren't usually on a team. I, I'm sure it's really fun for the athletes, um, especially when they're not like doing individual mini triathlons and they're actually on the sidelines watching each other perform. Um, I'm sure it's really, it's really fun for them to participate in, in a new way with a team. Um, also like there's also the potential to let people down a lot more. So that's upsetting, but um other than that, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't get it. I think if they're all already participating in an individual event, like I'm not sure what the mixed mm-hmm. part really brings to the Olympics. Yeah. And I think it's only going to grow because they're super popular. Probably because mm-hmm. people like me, even who are super critical of them, are like, yeah, so I watched them all. <laughs> 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 so they still got all of the views. <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds so exhausting to me because, like you just said, they like compete in all of their regular stuff too, and they go yeah. do this thing. Like, oh my gosh, so so exhausting. Yeah, I was reading a, a an article that basically said something along the lines of like it adds a strategy element for for countries because they're like now they have to prioritize like okay who are you gonna put in and like how are you gonna use their energy kind of like with uh Caleb Dressel right they're like okay like how are we gonna use him right like do we want him to get like and how does he want to be used I don't know if that's the right way to say that but you know how does he how does he spend his energy you know if he's swimming a trillion races um in in eight days or whatever yeah I don't know guys interesting stuff at least to me (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I wanted to talk to you about. Megan, did you have anything else? Well, so we talked a, we talked a little bit about, you mentioned, like, we were talking about surfing and how, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's in Paris, but it's not in Paris kind of thing. How do they choose the cities that the Olympics are going to be in? Because I know a lot of it is money. Mm-hmm. 
And so, is there like an unfair advantage for these countries that are able to host the Olympics? And also, mm-hmm. how much money do they spend mm-hmm. redoing all of these places? So, like, Tokyo has already had the Olympics, mm-hmm. but they rebuilt everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, the whole economic aspect of it is really fascinating to me. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really interesting question. I, I didn't, you know, I, I should have gone back and reread my my final paper from... Think, I think it was my master's thesis, actually, where I, I wrote extensively about the bidding process. Um, but let me let me see what I can remember off the top of my head. Um, I know it's a bidding process, right? So countries submit like, hey, you know, the, I- the International Olympic Committee, the IOC is like, hey, okay, like we're going to obviously host the next Olympics. Um, they do this uh, seven years ahead of time. I, I guess the process starts eight years ahead of time. And they say like, and, and then they pick, I think, seven years ahead. So they have seven years to prepare. Um, and they say, like, okay, we're going to host the Olympics in, in you know, this many years. Like, everyone who wants to submit a bid, bid. Um, and they they have requirements. I mean, really extensive requirements for, like, here, you know, they, they know the sports that are going to be going to be contested ahead of time, right? So, like, eight years ago, they had to decide, okay, we're going to have surfing. You have to be able to, you know, host a surfing competition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all these countries submit their bids, and, and they have to say, like, how are we going to handle every sport, every event, um, how are we going to build them? Where do we think they're going to be? Um, how are we going to finance it, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, it's a really competitive and selective process. Um, I think there are, I think at least two rounds. I'm sorry, I don't remember the specifics, but in the first round, it's like they just read their thing, and then the second round, they actually go visit, and they have to really answer like every single one of these questions. And I think to your point, like there is an unfair advantage to countries that are that are rich for a couple of reasons. One, one, or right because one. Um, you know, they probably have a lot of these sports already being contested in their country. So there are places um, where these things happen, um, especially in big cities and rich countries, right? Because remember, the Olympics are hosted by cities, not countries, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes even two cities from the same country might bid. Um, I think at, at a time, like two cities in the U.S. were bidding, like Chicago and, and like L.A. were bidding at the same time, right? Um, and I think L.A. won. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I think uh, cut cities have to be able to uh, show that they can they can do all of these things, and that's more likely in a big city that has a lot of money and <laughs> you know has a lot of these sports already. Um, and then uh, I think it's also an unfair advantage because uh, I, I mean it's not just about the sports guys; it's about the infrastructure. How are you gonna How are you gonna host this many people? Where are you gonna put them? How are you going to, how are they going to get around? Can your airport handle 10,000 athletes, all of their coaches, all of the fans coming in, right? Can your transportation system handle it, right? Like they have to, it's not just about hosting, uh, can you host 64 sports over the course of two weeks, right? And then the Paralympic Games as well, because they have to host both. Is It's about like, can you, can you handle like 50,000 people descending on your city very rapidly for, um, you know, a, a short amount of time. Um, can you not lose the horses that get flown in on absolutely fancy can, jets? Can your, can your airplane or can your air, you know, can your airstrips even take uh, planes that are, you know, are they equipped to take these kinds of things? And can they be equipped if they're not right? Re- they're not yet. Right. So um, I think, I think it's um, a really, you're right. There is an unfair advantage. And then when it comes to money, I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. You're retooling often. Um, 
your city in a way <laughs> you're developing super super quickly i think for for some of these cities right um i i talked a little bit about transportation but infrastructure broadly needs to be um revamped and and equipped because it's not just like you want to have it like ready you also want to be impressive right um i think mm-hmm. the reason that countries like russia um and uh and uh other kind of developing ish i mean russia is not really a developing country but kind of south africa hosted the world cup right the reason they want to host it is because they want to be like look like we're part of the club of like countries that are right. big enough good enough you know rich enough to, to host these things but it costs a lot of money because they're they're doing a lot of things so I, I don't remember the numbers, but it's somewhere in like the 30 to $40 billion range um, at this right. point that most cities slash country, you know, they're getting, they're getting funding from their country as well. It has to be a partnership between, between the federal government or whatever the highest level of government's called and, and the city, but they're, um, they're getting support, but it's, it's a lot of money and it's a lot of, um, you know, getting private investment and, um, and that's why it's really sad for Tokyo just to, to I'll end on this. It's really sad for Tokyo the way this is happening. This is going down because uh, it's an investment, right? You're, you're hoping that people will come, people will visit, people will spend money, um, that your country and your city will have a legacy of like, like people will remember it. People, will, it'll be in like the collective international memory. And Tokyo is achieving some of those things, but certainly not like the direct investment of having, you know, tens of thousands of people come to your city and, and spend money so it's sad for tokyo um on a lot of fronts because the olympics also still happened and now like again they think it's the delta variant right but it's probably the olympics a little bit like the the covid's out of control in japan right now so it's sad on a lot of fronts I remember when Chicago was bidding mm-hmm. and, you know, like we've lived in downstate Illinois, uh, central Illinois for 20 years now. Um, and I just remember when they were bidding and my mom was like, I sincerely hope that they do not get it just because mm-hmm. she was like, I just cannot imagine how the, this would play out for basically the rest of the state. Mm-hmm. And like how it would affect us because like we already, for example, like, I think most of the wind farms around here, like all of that energy actually ends up going up to the Chicago area anyway. Mm -hmm. Like there's just a lot of things that the rest of the state of Illinois does basically that supports Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so she was like, please do not get this. Like, uh, no. So it's, it's interesting to think about like how it's well. And like, and you see, stories about you know after the olympics leave you know all of the beautiful stadiums and all of these things that they've built just like sometimes just falling to ruin yeah i mean and it's really sad in the last few years and i I don't remember the specifics again so i'm sorry for i'm speaking generalities here but um the ioc has like started to require like okay like what's going to happen after right like a sustainability plan essentially mm-hmm. um but there's only so much you can do right like you need enough soccer you need enough t- t- stadiums to host like a soccer tournament a volleyball tournament a basketball tournament track and field like you need a lot of stadiums right <laughs> like to do all of these <laughs> things right um, and you need you know diving you need swimming you need water polo you need like there's you just need so and they try to stagger and schedule in a way that they can maximize the use of of locations but it's actually an insane amount of of activity happening and there's always pressure you know speaking of uh, what we were just talking about megan right um adding and and taking out sports 
all sports mm-hmm. just want to keep getting added, right? Um, and and it's hard for the IOC to keep saying no forever. So um, it only gets worse with time. Um, and and all of those all of the things that they build can't can't possibly I you know knock on wood. Hopefully they can be um, in Tokyo and, and anywhere else that's hosting. But I, it's hard to imagine how you use all kajillion stadiums that you build. There have been efforts to do things like uh, move stadiums. I think that there was a stadium in 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 London that got moved to Rio, I believe, like like a track a track cycling stadium or something. So like there are like some really weird and cool options, but mostly it's just like permanent stadiums that they build that they have to figure out what to do with. My mind is going down the rabbit trail of how that even works how you move a stadium (laughs) i know right i mean i've seen like houses going down the street before but like a stadium i think they they take it apart they take it apart and they put it back together i'm when we were watching the opening ceremony actually alex was like why don't they just have it in the same place every year i've heard people because countries want to host it um i've heard people say that before and i think it's a it's a fair point but places want to host i mean it just sounds like a net loss in the end I, with all the costs and then like everything just not being used and all it depends on it I depends mean, on who you Tokyo ask right year, it but. depends on who you ask like yeah different different countries yeah. have taken different approaches and and some have been more successful than others in converting all of their spaces into useful things um mm-hmm. for example atlanta if you go there like their apartments their dorms their whatever in right. in uh in australia and in, in uh, sydney they're really like high high class uh, apartments is like what olympic village turned into like yeah. so like i mean probably not everything can be that successful as, as some of those things but well and de- i also think it depends on who you're talking to 100 percent. what success means right because obviously the the people who are affluent enough to be able to live in those apartments or rent those apartments or whatever mm-hmm. like obviously they're they're feeling the success from that but for example, the homeless populations oh, that were displaced to build those buildings in the first place, like they are not, I'm sure, you know, no, no one is, no one was thinking about them. Um, so there's, there's, there's so many layers to it that yeah. you don't see from the outside and don't get shown in so many ways because the people that are talking about it and most of the time are the people with the money. And so Absolutely. they're going to show you all the fancy lovely things and it's great and i love the olympics i really really do um but i also think that we can really love something and also be critical be critical of it and think about how we can do better and acknowledge where the faults lie so which i think is one of the things that i love about you and how you approach the olympics because you do an excellent job of that oh thanks i love being critical (laughs) (laughs) both in constructive and non-constructive ways (laughs) Totally, totally. <laughs> I won't. Okay. Tell, I won't tell anybody about my critique of uh, some young woman's looks in the last couple of days. It was not about her looks. It was more about her makeup. It's true. It's you true. You did not say that her face was bad. She's you just a, were not sure about her makeup. A beautiful choices. face. <laughs> a beautiful face. I think she was wearing makeup, and I think it was bad. It, yes. So <laughs> I feel like I feel like that's that's less terrible than <laughs> being like her face is bad. Um, okay, let's end before we go to Joy. What has been your favorite moment of this Olympics? Oh my god. Uh it, it you know, there are the probably the top one right now, it's top of mind and and when I saw it I said this is the moment of the Olympics 
It is the, uh, I don't know what you call people from this country, uh, Qatari maybe, uh, Qatar, a guy from, come from Qatar. And uh, a guy from Italy co-winning gold in oh the high jump. Huh. It was a it was a real mo, guys. I mean, it was really emotional. But also, I would say, um, just kind of the general rallying around athletes and their mental health, specifically Simone mm-hmm. Biles. Um, mm-hmm. I think it'll it will for better or for worse be the hallmark of this games partially because of Naomi Osaka in the last few months before this um, and her being the flame tor- you know, the final torch carrier. And then, you know, it being her first tournament back after taking a mental health break and then everything happening with Simone Biles. I think all of that in, in combination will make that maybe the story of the games. Yeah. I hope so. And it helps that Michael Phelps is also like a commentator for NBC this year. And like his big thing is mental health, right? He's doing the talk space commercials. He has a mental health charity. Right. Um, so all of that kind of put together, it, it's hard to, it's hard to look past it. Yeah. And we shouldn't <laughs> also. <laughs> Megan, what's what's been your your favorite moment? Um, I mean, everything that Ade said, basically. Um, I also really enjoyed the one swimming race where oh, I can't remember the countries now where the woman won. Um, she came in, she got gold, and she like didn't believe that she got gold, oh the south african swimmer south african yes i want to say australia or south africa i couldn't remember that was but, amazing um, like just the look on her face like she was so happy and it was just so sweet and lovely and i feel like that is really like what what that's the feeling that you want to get when you're watching the olympics Absolutely. right it's like that lovely warm feeling of somebody like finally achieving some amazing dream mm-hmm. um and then also just for fun i <laughs> I really enjoy the, I don't know, because I don't have cable, so I've been watching, like, a lot of clips mm-hmm. on the internet and stuff, um, but there's clips of, like, Kevin Hart and Snoop Dogg, like, talking about the <laughs> dressage horses, and I love it. Amazing. I love dressage, because it's so, like, weird. It really is. To, to have somebody, like, dancing with their horse, and they don't really show it that much, but uh, these clips have been awesome. I definitely <laughs> seek it out. I'm not going to lie. I love dressage. Yeah. <laughs> My old boss used to do dressage. Oh, that's a fun fact. Mm-hmm. I well, love you, Steffi. I love all of the things that you guys just said. Um, I also, so I watched a few nights ago the vault, the, the women's um, gymnastics vault final and was so I was just so heartbroken for Jade Carey mm-hmm. she just did, had just a really poor performance on the vault like she, and she's 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 21 and she looks like she is she's 21 right okay so she's 21 and barely looks like she's old enough to drive and (gasps) and her so her dad is her coach and he's there and you know i was so heartbroken for her and then like you know she gets off the floor and you can tell she's trying so hard not to cry and her dad hugs her and like i think later she like i did see clips of her crying and i was so heartbroken for her and then to like see her come back the next night and win gold in floor routine and like she went out there and i texted megan after i watched her performance i was like it was like she was like 
bitches, this is what I can really do. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to come back from that really poor performance last night, and I had my cry about it, and now I'm going to show you what I'm really capable of. And, like, just every single one of her tumbling passes, like, she landed and she was like, yeah, this is, I'm, here I am. What do you like, what do you think of that? And I was like, oh, my God. So just that comeback was... I thought it was really great. I was really, I was so proud of her. Guys, I know we're going long, but can I ask you one question? Of course. Um, what do you think is more satisfying to see? Somebody who didn't expect to win winning and being really shocked by it. Cause I, I agree with you, Megan. It's that's like what the Olympics are about. Or somebody who has had a lot of pressure placed on them and they're like supposed to win and then they actually achieve it. And they're like the relief. Oh, I love the oh. underdog. I don't know if I can pick. So I mean, it's, that. Very <laughs> yeah. it's very hard to pick. Like I, I a hundred percent like went into it, like really wanting Simone Biles to do amazing, wanting Katie Ledecky to do amazing, mm-hmm. wanting Caleb Dressel to do amazing, like wanting them to live up to what they felt like, you know, they were capable. Everyone felt like they were capable of and what they wanted to do. But I really love an underdog. Like too. when an underdog wins, I cry a lot. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. There's an interview Caleb Dressel gave after he won some his, like, first individual race that was really supposed to be the one he was going to win. And he was, like, crying so hard. I was, like, I think it just gave me pause. It was, like, after the Simone Biles thing. And I was just, like, this is a – I mean, obviously, it's a lot of pressure in the context yeah. of Simone Biles. But, so like, to see this, like, beautiful, to be clear, beautiful man <laughs> yes. win and just be sobbing was, like – it was it was hard and when to they watch. showed i can't remember which what race it was and then they like showed his family back home mm-hmm. and they like you know let him video chat or whatever with his family and he was like crying because he got to talk to his family like yeah i that is the thing that i've really missed this olympics yeah. is because the families can't be there and i love watching the proud moms yeah like when their mom when the moms are like crying because their baby has just like done so well like i always cry watching the moms even before i was a mom i was like oh, look at their mom (laughs) so i have really missed that i mean yeah we get their like the footage of them that they're viewing sponsored by microsoft teams by the way guys sponsored by microsoft (laughs) teams but uh it's not quite the same although seeing suny lee's like oh my god i forgot about that oh that was pretty amazing like watching there she had so many people in her just from their community a lot of them weren't wearing masks it was really well yeah that was a little it was a little stressful that was stressful but it was a beautiful moment it's true it was a beautiful moment so thanks for thanks for indulging my game um i i thought that was an your your comment megan really made me think like what do i enjoy more i can't pick i think it's very hard to pick. They're both lovely things. So thank you for being back here. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> anytime. Be one of our favorite guests. Not that we have favorites. We love all of our guests, but. They're lying. I'm their favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you've been on enough that we can like only give you sort of a half-baked idea and you can come <laughs> on and like we can shoot the shit about it for 90 minutes I love so it. you know what that's we we're a little bit lazy and so we like that um so let's let's wrap up let's talk about joy uh, Ade, what is bringing you joy this week besides the olympics oh man okay i was gonna be like well uh the olympics um <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say that's cheating for all this right one. <laughs> all right i will say I'll, i'm gonna give two quick answers one i've been watching the love is blind 
um, after the altar. Oh, I need thing. to watch that. I, I'm an episode and a half in. Um, it's the only non-Olympics thing that I've watched. And um, I don't know if it's bringing me joy, but I'm certainly uh, excited to be seeing these people again and following up with them. I feel like often people disappear into the abyss and I don't get to hear what's happening with them. So it's, it's interesting to see all the things that are going down. And the other thing is TikToks with people singing seven part harmonies of Grace Kelly by Mika. It's amazing. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> That's it for I me. I love that. I love that. I'm going to have to look that up as soon as we get off. It's so good. Stephanie, what about you? Uh, my label maker Ooh. is bringing me joy. Love a good label today. maker. I, and I have a new label maker and it's so cute. It's shaped like, well, it's, it's got like a little bear face on it. It was, I'm not going to lie. It was a TikTok purchase. Uh, I saw it on TikTok. I am. You I can am buy so, things on TikTok. I'm no, no. Sorry. It's, it was like an influencer marketing okay. thing. It, it was like a sponsored. I'm so susceptible to this. I mean, yes, it's my like career, but also I'm so susceptible to influencer marketing. I saw this cute little label maker on someone sponsored like TikTok, And I was like, that's fucking adorable. And so I ordered myself a cute little label maker. And since Edie is going to, to daycare, preschool, whatever, tomorrow, I pulled it out and I was like labeling her stuff. And it was Aww. great. Uh, quick question. <laughs> does it make good labels? It does make good labels. And you can put like different types of like little paper in it. And so like they've got cute little like printed ones that look kind of like washi tape. Like they've got all like different colored ones. Like... It's it's it makes very cute labels. And was the SpawnCon, uh, the sponsored content, labeled well on TikTok? Uh, it was because awesome. I, I watched it and I knew I could tell from the from the uh, the caption that it was it was sponsored. So I I applaud. I can't remember who it was, but I applaud that person. Amazing. <laughs> you just closed well, <laughs> uh, Megan. How about you? Uh, so mine is related to the Olympics, but I can't help it. Uh, Tom Daly and his knitting. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I can't, can't believe I it. didn't bring it up. Oh, my God. You guys. He's very sweet. So cute. Uh, he was knitting a dog sweater he, most recently. He knitted himself a little pouch for his gold medal. He's one of those that I'm like, that's another one of those, like, everyone was like, pressure's on Tom Daly. And when he won, I was just, I like cried. Okay. Yes. 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 I was very happy for him, but I was also extremely annoyed because the announcers were like, and Tom Daly has won the gold medal. I know. That's true. He has a partner. It was a synchronized sport. Like, he had a partner. The other person won, too. The reason that he won is because you literally couldn't see him. They were so synchronized, you couldn't see him past the other guy. That's how good they were. That's how good they were. I'm like, guys, can we at least acknowledge that he did not win this by himself? But aside from that... The knitting is very sweet. Oh, my God. And he's knitting himself, like, a cardigan with, like, the the rings on. He's just... I, I love him. He has a... Um, if you guys did not know, he has a knitting Instagram account. Oh, wow. Um, I do not follow his regular Instagram account. I just follow his, it's like made with love Tom Daly or something. I will link it in the show notes. It's excellent. I love him. He's the purest. Love it. It's very pure. It also reminded me that, uh, what you were just saying about synchronized swimming in general, I also love slash gives me joy about how we like all suddenly become like super experts that in whatever splash was so big oh my goodness there's no possible <laughs> clearly <way. laughs> overextended 
toes are hanging off the edge. I found so myself horrible. saying, like, he's not even a good swimmer. Like, <laughs> like he's in the Olympics. I was watching, I was watching uh, synchronized diving with one of my kids, and I was like, and and they were saying something, and he's like, I thought it looked good. I'm like, no, no, you could tell. Like, look how far his legs have bent over. I know, where you're watching, and you're like, mm, I don't know, that didn't look mm. very good to me. And you're like, I cannot literally, I, I cannot do anything on a balance beam. I cannot stand on a balance literally beam. I'm can't. certainly not doing flips on a balance beam. And I'm like, mm, that was not. Mm, mm, really a poor performance. Mm. Can't believe they even made it to the <laughs> On that note. <sighs> well, next week we are going to slide into your DMs, hey girl, and talk about hustling and girl boss culture. We've got we've got some stuff to say about that. In the meantime, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd rather stay in podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Bye. <laughs>